Hello, and welcome to Everything Comes From Something, a podcast about unoriginality. My name is Isaac Ransom, and if you can't tell from the audio quality, we are sort of recording in a different room. Uh, This week we had a bit of a switch up, and today I'm interviewing my grandma Bobby. So we had to switch locations, and the room and audio quality might sound a little different. I hope you can excuse it and still enjoy the show. Bobby Lee Shore will be sharing about her experience growing up in the 20th century, uh, sort of talk about her mindset in approaching positivity in her old age, and share a chunk about her faith and her view on God. If you enjoy this episode, consider supporting us on patreon.com slash ECFS podcast, where you can throw a couple bucks our way and get access to an exclusive monthly show. If you don't have a few dollars, you can always just give us a rating on iTunes or Spotify or whatever podcast service you're listening to. Every little bit helps. With no further ado, enjoy the show. everyone and welcome to a special episode of everything comes from something today i am joined with bobby lee shore say hello hi everybody i'm an old timer here in santa clara valley (laughs) before it was named silicon valley grandma that is the cutest way to introduce yourself on a (laughs) on a podcast show i'm an old timer (laughs) Okay, let me just get this right off the bat before we get started in the show. You need to know as an audience listener, Grandma Bobby, this is my Grandma Bobby, who's who's a special guest on the show. She is not an old timer. Let me explain this to you. She might say she's an old timer, but she texts faster than my mom. A hundred percent. Come on, admit to it, Grandma. <laughs> well, I don't want to. Your, your mother might get upset with me. <laughs> no, it's fine. She can't even figure out how to find this radio show on her phone. I'm sure you'll beat her to it. Uh, well, let's hope so. <laughs> yeah, let's hope so. Well, hey, I'm excited that you're here. You're able to join us today, Grams. Today is a special episode. First of all, if you're a regular listener to our show, Cameron couldn't make it onto the air. And I've actually been wanting to interview my grandma, Bobby, for a long time. You're one of the most inspirational people, grandma. I I know that you probably don't see it, but as a young person, you've got a ton of energy and you're with it. (laughs) And that's what I, I mean, I love a lot of things about you, grandma. But as a young person, seeing someone old like you still moving around, still driving, still going for it. It's like, I know a lot of young people my age who are like, I don't want to, I don't want to get old. I want to die young. Right. Mm-hmm. And seeing you and the way you've handled retirement, I'm like, sure, I want to get old. <laughs> I mean, if I could be like Grandma Bobby. Yeah, I know that there are health issues and things like that. That, that stuff kind of sucks. But <laughs> nevertheless, you inspire me with the way that you have adapted to the times and you have constantly kept living and kept going. And so I thought, you know, what would be more fascinating than having someone who's with it? be on the show and kind of spread some wisdom, right? Thank you. Thank you very much, Isaac. You know, I wasn't all, I I would say the reason I have this spontaneous nature is probably because my grandmother and my great-grandmother both had it. And my great-grandmother was a very educated person from, Nova Scotia, and she came here to Santa Clara Valley, and she did uh, sing and and record lots of things on radio, and um, I think she probably did lift the morale of many people. She had had a lot of sadness in her life. She'd lost her oldest son, just suddenly dropped dead of a heart attack. And it was a tragedy to her, but she didn't let let it hold her back from being a fun person. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the cool things is, you know, I've only known you for the 22 years that I've been alive on this earth, and you've seen me grow up. But the one thing I noticed about you, Grams, is that you're, you're a fighter. And even in, the, even in the hard times, 
even in the hard times, you always have a good attitude. Now, I've seen you in positions, we all have moments <laughs> where we're not always there with it. But overall, on average, I would say that you're surprisingly positive for some of the things you've gone through. I mean, recently, you've been uh, fighting cancer, right? Right. How's that been going for you? Well, um, at first, when I took the chemo, it wasn't very good. But then uh, they gave us radiation, and that worked out pretty well. That's uh, good. Yeah, that seemed to do a little bit more f- for the body. So um, they said it had it r- its risks, but... I mean, life is a risk, so what do we care? <laughs> we just keep on keeping on. Oh, and my husband, too, was a young man here in Santa Clara Valley. He lived in Los Gatos. He's an old family from Los Gatos, the Shore family. And they had a lot of spirit, too, so being married to him helped me, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Grandpa, I mean, he passed away when I was sometime in middle school. I'm bummed to say that I really didn't get to know him as well as I wanted to because he had went through some health issues and sort of wasn't fully there for a majority of my life, right? Yeah. But, I, I mean, the old pictures and, I mean, he was like a legit rough and tough cowboy. Right, right. Seriously a cool dude. I, I, I can't, like, I really wish I got more time to know him, like, in his present state, you know? Well, he helped a lot of children. Young men, and because he had a scout troop for years, and um, it was right by Los Gatos High School, and he did he he had had a lot of sadness in his family, but you know who hasn't? Um, God didn't really promises a bed of roses <laughs> right right so so he knew that but anyway he made the best of it and i know sometimes when i got a little upset at circumstances he would point to me good things you know and then we'd both giggle and and um, we just keep on keeping on and try to cheer up people and help people. And I think that's the important thing, that you have to kind of forget yourself sometimes and what you're going through and think of others because that really helps you more than anything else, you know. Yeah, I think that's something that's something that everyone wants to pursue to some degree, right? Yes. But it can be hard when you're going through something really personal or something that's that you're struggling with that feels like the world's against you. I mean, even what you've been going through lately, Grandma, with cancer, it's like, how do you focus on other people at a time where, you know, it feels like the world's against you a little bit? Yeah, well, I did say to the Lord, Lord, you promised not to put any of the diseases of Egypt upon us. And I got him, and how come? <laughs> you know, <laughs> but um, you know, the Lord is used to being questioned by those that love Him, and I think that's what He wants us to do: is talk to Him and speak to Him. And after we've talked to Him and we stop talking and listen for His answer, well, we feel a lot better. <laughs> for sure, awesome. Well, I'm sure that we're going to get into more of your life experience and wisdom. But before we get to that, Grandma, let's let's go back to sort of the beginning. You say that you grew up in the Silicon Valley, or you say, well, it was Santa Clara Valley, right? Cause it yes. Because it wasn't Silicon Valley always. No. When I was little, they didn't even say that word, <laughs> Silicon Valley. Right, right. <laughs> so what was it like growing up? Over here in the past. Well, when you went downtown, when I was five, I lived uh, in Saratoga till I was five years old. And um, when you'd go downtown in the village of Saratoga, if somebody didn't say hello to you, you'd get hurt feelings. (laughs) That's because everybody knew everybody. Right. (laughs) And so um, I remember... um, my mother wanted me to uh, get a picture taken for the Mercury Herald because they were there and they wanted some little girl climbing in the prune blossom 
and uh, very specific image, Grandma. Yeah, showing showing the prunes, you know, being how they were before they formed into prunes. They were blossom trees, and it was beautiful. And even when I was a little girl, I always felt like there was some some person over me, some great person that had made the stars. I'd look up and I'd think, somebody created all this. They made the stars. There, there's, And it was like sometimes the crickets would uh, make a lot of noise at night, and I'd think, maybe that's the voice of God, you know? <laughs> but, I mean, it was a strange noise. But, I mean, I knew that there was a higher power I, from the time I was a baby, I knew it, you know. I guess my mother, she might have said, well, the first thing I remember she said to me was, you know, if you're naughty, uh, you might get away with it, but God sees you. And that quickly brought my attention to, hmm, maybe it's not such a good thing to be naughty, though it was fun, you know. Oh, Grandma. <laughs> Can I just say a story real fast about you being naughty? Because I've witnessed this. <laughs> and like, no one's perfect. But no. I remembered that there was a time where we, you parked in a handicapped spot without a handicapped tag, Grandma. Uh-oh. When I, when, I was, when I was little, we were going to like Macy's or something like that. I don't know. It was, it was a very specific store at Oak Ridge Mall. And when you parked in the handicapped spot, there was a like officer or a security officer who rolled up right there. Uh huh. And you were like, "Oh crap, we gotta." I mean, you might have used a different word, but uh, you, <laughs> I probably didn't. <laughs> you um and and you were like, "We need to." <clears throat> excuse me. We we need to make sure that he believes that we're handicapped. So you got out and you did like this weird limp hobble all the way to the store with me. And I remember thinking that was the funniest thing ever. And you didn't get a ticket, Grandma. <laughs> Kudos to you. I was very surprised. I was like, wow, Grandma, I've never seen this side of you. So yes, I've witnessed this naughtiness that you've been talking about, Grandma. So that probably was your grandfather's handicap thing and I was using it. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> but when I got to church that Sunday, uh, uh, one of my dear friends who I do listen to said, Bobby Lee, you are taking a terrible chance. And she said, don't do it again because they'll find out. They're really cracking down on people. And I said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's the wisdom of God being shot into your, into your ears, Grandma. <laughs> And I did feel a trifle ashamed, just a trifle. Oh, just a little bit. <laughs> Let's get back to Santa Clara Valley. So you said your dad, I know you said this off air, but you said that your dad worked at Stanford as a professor. Yes. And you spent a majority of your time in Saratoga, right? Well, um, until I was five years old. And then we moved to Atherton, and um, which, of course, is a suburb near uh, Palo Alto. And um, we lived there for a while. And um, my dad would come home. And it was during the war years that we lived there. So first, uh, Second World War. And my father would come home. And he, he also would bring all kinds of nationalities home for dinner. Because he knew they were in his classes, and he knew that they were lonely. And so I learned to love uh, people from India. They were very, very sweet people, and um, they were so kind. And at St. Patrick's Day, they I remember they brought us some wonderful candies, and my sisters and I were so excited and thrilled that we got things on St. Patrick's Day. You know? I think one of the cool things about um, Santa Clara Valley is that there's always been this incredible diversity, even way back in 1940s, 50s, right? That era. Of, of different races. Different, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that that has been something amazing for me to grow up in. That's cool that that diversity has transcended even with time, but what would you say are the biggest things that have changed since your childhood throughout Santa Clara Valley? Well, uh, at first, 
Uh, I mean, in my household, we were always open to all kinds of different nationalities. That that just what came naturally. But I remember in my some of my friends would say um, their parents weren't happy with this change. And uh, I remember also saying, well, I think that God meant us to be with lots of different races. And even when I was a young girl, I would look at these different um, young men that came, and I would think, well, I could, I could love that person like a brother or even a husband because they're kind. And those were also, Daddy did bring some black people home. And um, one time when my daughter, uh, I had an older daughter, and she got sick with Hodgkin's disease, and she had to go to Stanford. And she told me the kindest people to her were the, the black people. They were so kind and loving and compassionate, and they just made her feel better. And she had to go through a lot of... Um, a, a lot of very hard, well, it was almost like torture because in those days they hadn't perfected radiation and chemotherapy and some of those things. So she was like almost a guinea pig. Because know. you were exposed to this kind of diversity, I want to I jump <clears throat> back to my question here in a second about sort of the big changes across the uh, 20th century. But you're talking about diversity of like these different nationalities, different races, right? Yes. What was your response in the 1960s to the civil rights movement with people like Martin Luther King stepping forward and demanding more equal rights? Because you were exposed to this diversity already, like what was your response seeing that? Well, I I was for Martin Luther King because I thought he was on the right track, that he should ask for equal rights because... We heard lots of things back in the southern states that weren't going well. They were fighting it, and they were treating people um, like not like human beings, but like animals. And um, I knew that God didn't agree with that. I be I figured, why would God made make something? Uh, and He loves all men and all races. I just knew that what really down deep. I've always known it. And um I I I guess it was because my parents were very broad-minded. That's the only thing I can think of. I wasn't raised in a place to look down on people. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really cool. I mean, I see that hearing about you know, sort of the steps you took with Grandpa, uh, Nolton Shore, he was in charge of a Boy Scout, um, what was it, a, just, he was the head of a, a Boy Scout troop. troop. That's, yeah, that's 539. The word 539 in Los Gatos. He was there for a long time, and every story that my mom tells me about that troop was that it would be, he would help out people who were in tough spots, these kids yes. that were in, in rough places, and, and it was almost like the Boy Scout troop was not a babysitting thing. I mean, my experience with the Boy Scouts is that when I did it with my dad, my dad was like, this is nothing like the Boy Scouts that I knew no. uh, under no. Knowlton, Knowlton Shore. And it was like Grandpa had sort of like this get to work and get better kind of thing. You got to keep moving forward mindset. And I think it's cool to see how, you know, the way you were raised and maybe partially the way he was raised influence you guys to impact the city of Los Gatos and reach out to people who were in need, right? Yes. Yes. Let's kind of jump back, uh, jump off the uh, diversity conversation. Let's talk about sort of like inventions or the big changes that you've seen uh, across the 20th century, because I'm sure your mind is blown with the way that things have 
come about? I mean, even before we started recording this show, I had to explain to you, Grandma, do you know what a podcast is? And you're like, eh, no, not really. And I was like, well, it's basically radio talk show, but on the phone. That's that's what it is, <laughs> right? So it's kind of cool you're on a talk show, right? Yes, I'm, I'm grateful. Um, well, one of the... The electron microscope was one of the inventions that I saw, and I think that was, wasn't that the one that saw the virus or something that found out about a virus? And then um, also what they, the polio vaccine, that was really something. That is huge, yeah. Yeah, that was huge because I had seen uh, dear friends uh, just, uh, hurt like my mother had a sweet friend that just died of polio you know and um that was a terrible thing to watch you know so i was so happy about the uh, the polio vaccine yeah no that, that's amazing <laughs> that cheered us up <laughs> definitely what do you think about um well what do you think about the phone you have oh well I'm grateful. I have one daughter named Amy June, and she was the one who um, always put, you know, insisted that I learn about the phone and everything. She was very pushy about that. And I said, well, I don't know, Amy, if I can learn all this. And she said, yes, Mom, you can. And she kept hounding me until I did. <laughs> yeah, I hope to have Amy on the show eventually because she's got some great stories about um, working in security. Yeah, you know she's she's super funny. She worked for Silicon Graphics for a long time. Oh yeah, yeah. we'll have to have her on uh, talking about that. Yeah, Amy pushed you to get a a cell phone, and now like, can you imagine ever going back? Because the way it was in the past is like, what you had the telephone, right? You could you could call people, but now it's like instant, right? You can get a hold of your friends right away. Yeah, and they. People pay attention to texting. They usually, if they, at least you can you can reach them with that right away. Well, maybe they wouldn't answer the phone right away. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you uh, you text like crazy, Grandma. You send me like a couple messages over and over, and I'm like, oh, oh, I didn't realize you were so fast at that. But uh, yeah, let me think. What what are the other big inventions across the 20th century? I mean, I didn't live through it, Grandma. So I'm trying to think of like things that you would have noticed like wow this is such a cool innovation i mean well the um what just the progress of the telephone itself was something because um when i we first started out we just spoke to an operator right i don't even know what that is which is crazy i don't even know what an operator is another voice on the phone and my uh, aunt gwen she was a telephone operator so that was, um, you know, they had to stay patient with people. And, um, of course, the telephone brought about something the Lord doesn't like too well, and that's gossip. <laughs> oh, Grandma, you know about gossip. You're in the gossip, aren't you? Well, I've seen it, and it's it can be <laughs> harmful. And that's true. And you have true. to be careful what you say and who you say it to. Some people like to spread gossip. There is this thing in the family, Grandma, and I hope that I'm not saying anything offensive to you, but the rule is if you say something to Grandma Bobby, the whole family will know pretty soon. (laughs) That is the rule. Um, And so, yeah, you you like to get the info and and, uh, spread it around, but I think it's very insightful for you to say, hey, you know, if you gossip... I've seen it firsthand, right? The issues yeah. that can pop up. Yeah. I think that's that's very good insight, especially with cell phones and this instant communication. Well, right? if someone asks you not to speak of something, it's very good not to. You know, I mean, you don't want to give away some family secrets that they are trying. Maybe they feel bad about something that happened to them. And yeah, you, let's... you don't want to hurt them by repeating it right i'm sure anyone would agree with that yeah yeah uh i think before we spill any any family secrets we should move on from this subject grandma oh definitely (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) let's not tempt ourselves yeah let's not tempt you grams um (laughs) let's talk about kind of the landscape of the land um you were talking about the orchards and the difference of santa clara valley what 
what did it look like back then that's so different than now? Well, it, like I say, there were trees. There were acres of trees. There were almond trees. There were um, prune trees. There were apricot trees. Those are the ones I remember. And the smell of the blossoms were, you actually, if a person can create a smell or think they know what heaven would smell like, I think it was as close to heaven as you would get because they were just beautiful smells. Yeah, lovely, lovely smells. I'll never forget them. I can... I can smell them even now. <laughs> well, now, you know, the Silicon Valley's changed a lot. There's a lot more people. There's just a lot more traffic, right? Yeah. Is this all bad? I think that's kind of my question because you've been around for a long time, right? Is this a, is completely a bad thing or is there, a, is there some benefit to it? Well, I think the freeways allow us to get to places quicker and um, that's a good thing. Yeah, because you were, you were around when Highway 85 was being built, and that was a big thing in this area. Yes, yes. I had a doctor friend who uh, thought that 85 was coming right away, and so he put his, one of—he he was an obstetrician, and he had one of his offices in San Jose, and then um, he put one out in Saratoga— and um, that was awkward because A- 85 didn't come out that way, you know. Right. But I remember even when my dad for a while came and we lived in Saratoga with my grandmother. And um, she, he found out that the Sunnyvale Highway, El Camino Real, the King's Highway, was so... You know, they called it the Bloody Bayshore, you know, mm. and um, it was uh, terrible to go that way, you know. But then um, when they built 85, that helped people. And it was beautiful. It was scenic, too. 85 yeah. is scenic when you go up towards this city in Palo Alto and Menlo Park and all those places. Very beautiful. A lot of wealthy people live up there, too, you know, and you can see their lovely homes from the highway. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, Gramps, is there anything else you want to say across the change of the 20th century that you're like, just looking back, wow, like that was a just something that stuck out or was wild? I mean, you've seen a lot of presidents move through offices. You've seen, you've seen a bunch. Well, I think... I really did, um, though lots of times I am probably tend to be more Republican, but I do see uh, we were, my whole family had been Democratic for a long time, and um, we all admired uh, President Roosevelt, he, the FDR, and we admired him and Winston Churchill, we mm. thought a lot of him too, because we thought they did very good things, and um, also we we loved Eleanor Roosevelt. She was a very loving person, and um, she was an example to lots of women how you should really treat your husband and take over for him when he couldn't do anything more, you know. And in those last days when President Roosevelt was so sick, um, Mrs. Roosevelt was an inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people realize that um, Roosevelt, he got sick and died because of that sickness. Yeah. And he was also, because most people know him for his involvement with World War II and his leadership in that. But yeah. they don't realize kind of the, the tragic ending with that and, and uh, Mrs. Roosevelt's kind of role in in that position, too. And um, both of them had come from wealthy families, and they both knew how to, how to reach the souls of men and women. 
and um, Mrs. Roosevelt did a lot uh, to help the black movement, too. She had um, a beautiful lady who right now I can't think of her name, but she was a black singer, and she had her sing God Bless America. And then we also had Kate Smith, who was just a regular. She was just one of us. She sang God Bless America. But those were the times during that World War II when people felt very patriotic. And we know that Franklin Roosevelt helped that, and so did Winston Churchill, because they were very loyal, good men. I don't want to get into modern politics at all, Grandma. I'd rather hear. No, I'd no. rather hear about you know some of the insight you've acquired across the nations. But just a quick comment: I think it kind of is like drinking hot chocolate, hearing about old the old history of of our political leaders and how they inspired people and how they had this honor and dignity. Maybe, you know, there's an aspect of their office that isn't exposed to the, I mean, today we have social media that is just constant, loud communication about what's going on in the White House, basically exposing behind door conversations. It's a very different scene today, right? Yes. And that's kind of upsetting because we want children, we wanted children to look up to the president. You know, we wanted them to be comforted and you know like my father loved President Lincoln and um, Abraham Lincoln was a real inspiration to my dad and to me as a kid uh, because <clears throat> he had grown up in a very rural place but he became a famous statesman and he really loved God and I think that's the important thing that Men, presidents who've loved God have touched our hearts over the years and made us be a better nation. I think there's something to be said about looking up to the leadership in the office. And I, and I think that's something that the American people crave. Again. Yes. So I, I'm, I'm, telling, I'm telling you now, Grams, I don't think you need to worry. I think there's going to be some sort of coming of age to that situation where people are ready for someone who is, who is more, more reserved and inspiring for sure. Yes. Yes. I believe that I am encouraged when I see uh, some young people, um, especially I am watching my grandchildren because I think they all have a love for God. And Isaac seems to, uh, we, we need we need children who really know there's a God and and will inspire us to go on. It it, it makes a real difference. Mm. Yeah. Well, Grams, let's kind of shift gears a little bit here. Um let's talk about I want I want to I want to continue to focus on the way that you have aged like fine wine. You could say <laughs> um, the way that you have continued to be positive and keep it going, because this is something that I want to hold on to forever, no matter what, because I hope to I hope to get old. I hope to um, keep moving like you. Grandma, I still have no idea how you have your driver's license, not to throw you under the bus. <laughs> uh, let's not. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely shocked on how you continue to pass that test. Well. All I can say is, Isaac, there's a lot of people in their 90s, and I'm just 80, what am I, 87, and um, that are still driving, and they're doing an okay job of it, you know. So it's it's good that I think perhaps um, I didn't get my license right away, and that's why I probably tried so hard to keep it because it was a precious thing to me because it isn't really fun to have your husband do the grocery shopping with you. He tries to hurry you, you know, and women know what they want and they need to have a certain space to do it in, you know. <laughs> well put, Grams. Um, here's, here's what I was going to ask you. What are the things that you make sure that you do on a day-to-day -day basis to get up, to keep going, to keep moving? 
What are the things that inspire you to stay young at heart? To praise God every day. Mm. That is the true thing. Uh, to read the word and to praise God. Because um, when you're doing that, then he overshadows you with his presence and you know that everything's all right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a huge element of your faith and almost gratitude that I think is important, right? To, yes. To getting older and having that retrospective of being like, I need to look back and appreciate. Yeah. Right. What, I always thank him for what he's already done for me, you know, which... Uh, and how he puts up with me. I always thank him for that. <laughs> <laughs> I say, Lord, only you could love someone like me. <laughs> so well put. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think it's, I think those things are huge because you, the one thing that, and I know I said this earlier, but the one thing that inspires me a lot, Grams, is that you're a trooper. You always keep moving. You always keep going. And some of the tragedy in your life has been tough. Do you want to share anything about that and how um, that's affected you and how you've remained positive through all of that? Well, there's one thing that does stand out. Um, when I lost my oldest daughter... That was the thing that really hurt me very much. And since she was such a wonderful help to me, um, you know, she was a an accomplished seamstress. And uh, she was an artist. Uh, she wasn't very musical. And she cried because they actually kicked her out of the choir. <laughs> In, in middle school, you know, and she said, Mother. And I said, that's all right. I said, your singing sounds good to us. And I said, we don't, you don't have to always be talented in music. I mean, she could play the violin and she could do those things, but she really didn't have an ear for music. But she was so talented in other things. And, um, I mean, she could paint a room. She could... Paint, do artistic paintings. She could she could do any kind of seamstressing or 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 sew any garment, and she could um, do um, coats, you know, and all kinds of things, tailoring, you know. So it was very helpful to have her in the family and. Uh, when she got Hodgkin's disease, um, it finally, I think some of the, <clears throat> what had happened was there was a lot of, um, a, a lot of things that happened to her at Stanford. It was under Dr. Kaplan, and they, they were going, they were trying so hard to find a cure for Hodgkin's, and, um, so there were a lot of things that she underdid. She went through that probably affected her other organs, and so at the end she could hardly breathe. And um, so, she, but because of the word of God, and we preached that to her every day, and other people visited her who were always coming with words uh, from God. She remained <clears throat> at Stanford for a whole year and lived. But <clears throat> finally, one day she said, Mother, and God had shown me, he said, hope in my word. So, because I said, God, what will I do? I know she's had a lot of things happen to her. And he said, hope in my word. That's what he, his message was to me. And so that's what I did. But one day she said to me at the end of the year, and it was just before Twin Towers. 9-11. Yeah. Right. And um, she said, Mom, I want to go home and be with the Lord. I know he has a house with many mansions, and I want to be in one. And I said, all right, Alice, I'm not going to fight you. I'm going to let you go. And she said, good. 
She said, I wanted to tell you so you wouldn't fight. And I said, I won't. I don't want you in pain anymore. And if you feel you can't take it, then you should be with the Lord. And so um, that night, Bob called me, her husband, and he said, the boys and I are going down. She's, they're going to take her off the uh, respirator because she wants to be off of it, and she wants to go home and be with the Lord. And I said, okay. So I told my husband, we've got to get there right away so we can say goodbye to Alice. And he said, I can't say goodbye. <laughs> so he didn't go. So I didn't go. I stayed with him. And um, so my husband or my son-in-law called me and he said, "We're they're taking her off, Mom. And he said, um, so then the Lord showed me this vision and um, he was with her, and he was carrying her in his arms, and he was pointing out all the constellations to her. And um, I heard this scripture, and it said, Eye has not seen, ear has not heard the wonderful things I have planned for those who love me. And I was... My daughter in the vision had on this coat of many colors, and she was just giggling, and it really cheered me up. And so at her memorial, I could cheer people up, and that helped me. That's a really awesome story. I mean, it you know, wherever, wherever your faith is at, you know, Grandma speaks from her own experience, right? Right. And I think... Something what's crazy about a story like this is, you know, I saw it from my mom's perspective. She, I was a kid at the time, you know, she was really, really beaten up about Alice passing away, but she spoke again and again with her face. She was like, man, like Alice continually was saying she was continually getting healed when the doctors couldn't explain it. Yeah. And then there was a certain point where Alice was like, you know what? We've had enough. I'm I'm done with it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and that's something that's probably really hard to go through as a as a mother, grandma. And I'm literally blown away. Yeah. With the level of it was hard for dad. It was really hard. For oh yeah, dad. it would be hard for any parent to yeah. to lose a kid, grandma. I mean that's that's terrible. Yeah. It's just it's just such so inspiring to me to see how you know you speak about. I felt like I had a calling to cheer people up even in that hard time. Yeah. Right? Well, some of the people she'd worked for, worked with, um, were just heartbroken. And um, so I told them the story, and it cheered them up, too. <laughs> right. So that was good. That was good. Yeah. So some good came of it. Yeah. And her boys grew up to be wonderful people. Uh, Michael and Timmy Wells, and their dad uh, married again, uh, and she always told him he should marry again because he needed help. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love I love Michael and Timmy. They're such cool dudes. <laughs> Seriously, though, I mean, I I've never talked to him about Alice at all, but I can all like I can't even imagine what that would be like. Yeah, and it's it's sort of sobering. You know, thinking about how life comes and goes, you know. Well, I mean, it's something because of that experience as a kid, I would think about losing my mom, you know. Yeah. And and that would, it would freak me out a lot, but it's almost like there is this realization for me. I'm not worried about my mom. I I mean, I love her dearly, you know. We we have faith in in our in our Christian walk and whatnot, and so there's the comfort that comes with that too. But it's like really facing those facts is, I think, essential for for the individual to continue to have a joy, to yeah. walk forward. To when you're faced with the hard truth that life is finite and mortality is real, you really got to start thinking about this stuff. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that. It, I mean, life goes, life goes quick and it leaves quick too. Right. And, and so I think it's important 
to be at least th- having that realization. Um, and it's something I'm actually grateful for. I'm only 22 and it's something I think about a lot. Yes. And it was because I think some of this tragedy we were exposed to. As far as Alice goes, I got to say, I love, I loved the short time that I had with Aunt Alice. I think um, she gave me this VHS of Buzz Lightyear Star Command. It was like a cartoon. <laughs> I beat the garb. I beat the crap out of that VHS. <laughs> I I watched it so many times, and I, that was like the one connection I seriously remembered with Aunt Alice. Even when she was gone, I'd watch it, and I was like, "Man, like that that was just like a part of her. That was a gift that she gave me that." always impacted me in such an important way <laughs> and it's just it's a dumb cartoon but like it, it meant something <laughs> to me and I always thought it was cool that people can uh, compared my sister Emily to Alice because yeah. they both kind of had like fiery fun uh <laughs> kind of fiery fun personalities my sister is um very yes or no hot and cold kind of <laughs> person so yes she and is. it sounds like Alice was that way too. I mean, on her deathbed, she's like, you know what? I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like there's, <laughs> there's a little bit of, uh, of, uh, personality coming there. Right. <laughs> yes, she was. And she, she was, um, yeah, she knew what she wanted and she spoke it out, you know. Even, uh, Graham's losing your husband probably wasn't the most fun either. Right. But, but I was surprised you know, no. Grandpa, he went through kind of a slow decay. He wasn't really there yeah. at the end. Yeah. And so you had a lot of time to consider and, and think about that. And Yeah, I cried for hours by myself sometimes because I could see that he wasn't getting better. And uh, But the Lord had healed him at times uh, before he had his last. But after Alice died, it was like, well... I think he, I think that was one of the things that made him lose hope, you know? Yeah. 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 And, and I mean, you can't really blame him in some ways, right? That's something that's, that's pretty tough. Yeah. But, um, it was weird. My experience with grandpa was really weird. I would have moments cause he had Alzheimer's and he wouldn't really be able to communicate. But when the kids would come around, there would be moments where he'd light up. Yeah, and I and I would have these. Um, I, to be honest, Grandma, it was really depressing going over to see Grandpa as a kid. I was like, I really don't want to be here. Oh. and it was it was hard for me because it was like I hear all these cool stories about Grandpa. Yeah, and then I'm here, and it's like he's not. Uh, you know, Mom had to take care of him, and yeah, it was like this is hard. This is hard to be around. Yeah. But I had these really weird experiences with Grandpa because he was always in this dazed state. Yeah. There would be moments where I would say stuff to him and he would suddenly snap out of it and speak to me very clearly. Right. In in moments. Um and that was that was cool. I mean, a lot of it regarded faith. I had a moment where I asked him like as a kid, I was like, "Grandpa, do you believe in God?" Like I was really nervous and he was it was a, it was in his last 2 years, I think, when I asked him that cuz I was worried. What did he say? He looked at me and is a very grandpa line, which is why I was like, this is weird. Um, he didn't, he didn't really look people in the eyes too much, but he looked me in the eye. Mm-hmm. I remember him taking my hand and he said, you can't do life without God. And then he just, <laughs> and, and he just then kind of went back to his days. And I remember being like shocked. I was like, um, I just woke up like this zombie man, you know, and it's very, it was very grandpa, right? Because he right. was a hard cowboy. He always kind of had those, those phrases from what I get, you know, cause the family says a lot of stories about grandpa. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just think it's, it's very inspiring no matter where what walk of life you come from to hear your story grams about how you um really faced these tragedies and took the good step forward you know amen amen yeah Yeah. i said that actually grammar you know i say amen a lot on this show (laughs) whether whether i'm uh whether i'm praying or not i'm always like amen cameron (laughs) whatever whatever we're talking about Yeah. yeah i think you know, I think this conversation has been really good, Grams. 
Oh, good. I think it's <laughs> well, been I've fun. I've enjoyed it. <laughs> I'm glad. I, I was hoping you would enjoy it instead of not be bored or anything like that. No, no, no. But I knew you were a chatter. I wasn't that worried. <laughs> any yeah. any last things you want to add? Um, any final thoughts? Uh, actually, I got to ask you, just because the audience listens to this show, what were your thoughts on me as a kid growing up? What did you think of me? I know you always liked me because I had the widow's peak. You, can, <laughs> you can't hide it, Grandma. You, you're sucker well, for the widow's peak. Well, a long time ago when we first met Isaac, it was his grandfather on the other side and his grandmother. And we were standing around his little cradle in, in the hospital. And we looked at him and we said, oh, we love this little boy. He has blonde hair and blue eyes. And though I had had people in the family with that color coloring they said they didn't they didn't have too many blue-eyed blonde children and so they were very very impressed with this and uh, what I remember about Isaac was when he was a little boy he would go up to the most ferocious type of people and say Jesus loves you do you love him and we'd go, ah, you know. Well, I guess it's my destiny, Grams, because now I work for a church, right? <laughs> and then we also, um, when he was only a baby, uh, someone said that he would be a prophet. And um, so I was very impressed with that, and I looked for that, you know. Did someone say that about me? Yes. I had never heard that. You know what, Grandma? Art Gorman. You know what? I might, I might be a prophet. Yes, I think. And I'm not trying to say it in a weird way. Actually, my line of study in college is economics, and our whole job is, you could say, prophecy. Yeah. It's all, basically, our, our job is basically to look and say, this is what's coming. And I, I don't mean to ta- pat myself on the back, but you know the S&P 500 dropped a little bit ago. Sure, it's recovered, but I called it. That's all I'm saying. I called it. Yeah. So... <laughs> Yeah, oh, I I believe that they were right because Isaac is a person who um, remains the same. He does not change like um, he's not a yes man. He has his own thoughts and they're from the Lord. And um, that's what's so great about him. And you can ask Isaac things when you're down and he'll always have a word for you and it it, it even um, you know it cheers even old people up so well Grims like I said you're not old you're young at, you're young at heart yeah so you're you're ahead of the curve there <laughs> well, well hey thanks. it has been great having you on the show Grams I'm glad you could step in for Cameron um I think it pretty much wraps it up here. Okay. Well, thank you very much. And it was a fun day. No. (laughs) Okay. All right. All right. We'll chat with you guys next week. Everything Comes From Something is currently 100% fan-funded by listeners like you, and we wanted to shout out our executive producers, Darren O'Neill and Eric and Ariel Walk. Thank you guys for supporting the show at the highest level. If you want to support Everything Comes From Something, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash ecfspodcast, where you can give a couple bucks our way and get access to our exclusive monthly podcast that is released at the end of the month on the platform through an RSS feed. If you don't have a few dollars, Again, tell a friend, tell some family about the podcast. That is how a show like this grows, and you can give us a rating on iTunes. We appreciate you guys so much, and we will see you next week.